inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining. Today, we have a very intriguing topic that we have never covered before. It's about face reading. So what is face reading and what can we learn about this? Uh, for that, I have invited a real expert in the matter who is Lynn Klassen. She's an internationally renowned expert in face reading, an ancient science practiced by science visionaries as Aristotle and Da Vinci that correlates facial features to character traits. She has lectured internationally for more than 24 years, presenting workshops and providing answers as a consultant for businesses, relationships, juries, and poker players. With more than 20 years prior experience in business management, Klassen's unique analytical perspective rendered her in demand by the corporate world particularly Fortune 500 companies. Hello, Lynn. Hello, Oscar. Well, very welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, and I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. My pleasure, Lynn. And as I said, this is uh, very intriguing to me. I, have, I know almost nothing about uh, face reading. So if you could start telling a bit your, your story, your own story, how you started and uh, how you became an expert in this matter. Sure. Actually, I was responsible for 15 retail stores covering a wide portion of the state that I live in, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I was wanting to make better hires. I wanted to understand how my staff were treating my customers when I wasn't around. And so um, a gentleman came into town, Robert Whiteside, and I took his course. And I, I just was amazed at what you could learn about a person just by looking at their face. I began studying it. I studied with him and his son, Daniel Whiteside, for three years. And I left the corporate world. I was so amazed mm -hmm. by face reading. And I realized how much if I had had this information, my life would have been very different. And I felt compelled to share it with the entire world. And I left the corporate world 24 years ago now, and I've been doing this ever since. One of the things I think we need to clarify right off the top is that mm -hmm. oftentimes when people hear the term face reading, they think we're reading the body language or micro expressions mm -hmm. on the face. But that's not true. What I'm trained in is called Western face reading. It's been scientifically validated to 92% accuracy. And it's about reading the physical structure of your face. Your facial features actually outpicture the cellular level of your brain. So the more you use a particular area of the brain, the facial feature associated with it gets larger. The less you use it, the more it atrophies. So your face continually changes your whole entire life, and it's always a current profile or history of the person and their true nature. When I'm doing jury consulting, we don't include body language while we're choosing the jury because nobody wants to be on the jury, and they're giving their best uh, performance to get excused. 
So mm-hmm. we only use uh, face reading. Face reading, you can't change the structure of your face, mm-hmm. uh, your nose, your alignment of your ears, the depth of your eyes and the eye socket, any of the facial features, just because you've been called to jury duty or you're on a blind date or you're uh, interviewing for a job. So each facial feature has an asset and a challenge, but it tells you the truth of the person, and there's no way for them to lie because you're not asking them any question. If you can see it, you can read it. Here in the United States, our Supreme Court has ruled, since your face is something that you expose to the world on a daily basis, you have no right to privacy. The face is made up of 144 muscles and 14 bones, and they all tell me something about the person. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. It's just how does that person prefer to go about things? And unlike body language, body language is unique to the um, the area that you're in. Face reading, however, applies anywhere in the world. I've traveled to 22 countries, and there are certain features on the face that are more common in certain Mm -hmm. areas of the world and cultures, but it will have the same meaning on any face anywhere in the world, and it's been scientifically validated to 92% accuracy. Well, sounds uh, (laughs) impressive, definitely. Uh, and it's so interesting that you, that how you, you enter into this. So, uh, an expert came, knocked your door and offered the training and you took it. That's how everything started. Yes. I studied with him for three years. There was a judge Jones in California who studied Chinese face reading in some of the ancient mm-hmm. documents. He became so fascinated. He left the bench. He paired up with my first teacher, uh, Robert Whiteside and the third man, William Burtis. They took 1,050 people and studied them over the course of uh, five years. Any trait that they couldn't validate to 92% accuracy, they didn't include in Western mm-hmm. face reading. So once a person learns to be uh, observant and accurate of what they observe, they can achieve that 92% accuracy also. People use it to uh, pick out partners, uh, romantic partners, as well as business partners, You know, when I'm doing, uh, somebody contacts me about a training or a speaking event, the first thing I do is Google them and look at their face and know how best to do business with them. So everything you really want to know about a person is plain as the nose on their face. Each area of the face has different um, facial features that affect different areas of our life. Noses are about decisions. Jaw is about personal power. Chin is about being grounded. Ears are how we take in information. Um, and, and one of my favorite areas of the face are eyebrows. I actually do a three-hour workshop, mirror, mirror on the wall, do my eyebrows really tell all? They do. You can tell more about a person about their eyebrows than any other facial trait on their face. Okay. Even I think eyebrows um, can be like uh, made up a bit. More. Yes. And if they've altered them, it actually mm-hmm. has more meaning uh-huh. because now this is the mask that they're choosing to wear. Mm-hmm. So women, they kind of frame their face with their eyebrows. Men mm-hmm. do the same thing with facial hair, mm-hmm. choosing how they're going to wear a mustache, a goatee, a beard, their um, sideburns, all that sort of information. So women and men go about it a little differently, but we both have our way of doing it. Uh foreheads are about how you process information 
you can look at a couple's forehead and you can tell if they love shopping together or they hate shopping. <laughs> the most A lot of men have a slant back forehead and they prefer that quick bottom line fast. So they don't like shopping with women, especially if they have a vertical forehead, because that tells you they process information sequentially a step at a time. So that tells you that they're going to be one of those that shop and look and browse before they decide where men really don't shop, men purchase, they go in to buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so interesting. One of the things you mentioned is that uh, this, what is red from the face is the, the, what the shape of the face is, is done by the muscles and uh, bones. And you, yeah. and you said that uh, some, some of these are, you are born with these shapes, but other you are, you are shaping them through, through your life. But what about the bones? That's also been shaped through your life, depending how you yes. behave. The bones do not change as as frequently or quickly as the muscles, but mm -hmm. yes. When you're born, you're basically a genetic blueprint of your parents, your hereditary. Mm -hmm. However, though, once, you know, in our country, about three years old or so, oftentimes the kids start going to preschool and play dates and that sort of stuff. But so you're a blueprint of your, your biological parents And then as you begin to experience life and meet new people, either you maintain the traits and the behaviors that you learn from your parents, or oftentimes, you know, a coach or an aunt or uncle or neighbor or grandparent, somebody else will come into your life that has an effect. And maybe you, ch you choose to be more like that person. And so sometimes people say, well, my, I have Uncle George's nose. Well, if you have Uncle George's nose, that means you make decisions the same way Uncle George does. Because each part of your face is about another area of understanding for the person. One of the things that touches my heart with this is oftentimes I can come into a situation or a family that is struggling and not getting along well. And the thing is, most of the time, we treat people and believe they should act a way that we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we were raised by a certain family with certain beliefs and customs, and we see ourselves as normal and average. Mm -hmm. We think the other person is the problem. And it isn't that way at all. If we had been conceived of the same parents that person was and was raised in the same area and had the same life experiences, we would behave the same way. So I often use a analogy when I'm teaching uh, face reading. I have a lion, and of course, the lion wants to get a drink. He just puts his head down and starts drinking the water. <laughs> However, a giraffe that wants a drink, first thing he has to do <laughs> is telescope his legs out to the side so that he can get his neck down and reach the water. So both of them are doing the exact same thing. No ulterior motive other than they want to get a drink of water, and yet each one of them goes about it in a very different way based on who they are. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true with us. You know, I find it very rewarding because I feel like we are more alike than what people realize. You know, I, I, you know, years ago there was such bigotry in the world, and I feel like, you know, The world gets smaller and we realize exactly how similar we are in many core ways. We may have different morals, different values, different religions and belief systems, but how we function is very similar. Mm 
So your facial, we call it structure function. The physical structure of your face tells me how you are likely to function. And so then once we understand each other, we don't take the little differences personally anymore. Now we see that that's okay. That's just how this particular person does it. And once you understand the, that um, similarity, you can find a common ground. You can find a place of compatibility. Um, I often teach single people about um, face reading for relationships because it you can know your compatibility with another person in less time than it takes you to drink a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Well, sounds, uh, sounds like that... Um It applies to anything in life, as uh, as you are you're giving these examples. Yes, absolutely. It's like you know, I teach a lot, do a lot of training in the corporate and business world. Um, and the thing is, whatever they learn in that class also will apply with their mother-in-law, their boss, their mm -hmm. neighbor. Um, the same traits can be applied in any area of life. In all areas of life, we're looking to create harmony and balance, except law enforcement, and poker. When people in law enforcement or poker study face reading, mm -hmm. they're really learning it to use it against you. Mm -hmm. You know, the detectives will use your traits against you in an interrogation mm -hmm. because it's easier to get to the truth that way. With poker, they don't have to wait for that temporary micro-expression. I mean, I fully believe in body language. However, a true micro-expression will normally last only two-thirds of a second. Mm -hmm. So unless you're really dedicated to studying, most people will not even see the micro-expression, let alone be able to decipher fast enough what it really meant. You know, anything longer than two-thirds of a second is often staged. So in poker, people bluff and double bluff, but they can't change the size of their nostrils. <laughs> The size of your nostrils represent how much oxygen you can take in in a single breath and how you approach life. So if they're playing against a player that has, you know, average or maybe nostrils slightly smaller and they're raising the bet, well, then they know that that person at least thinks they have the winning hand. Depending on their skill set, they may or may not be right. However, if a person has very large nostrils, they're going to bat and bluff and do that. And they love the thrill of the game as much as they do winning. And so if the larger the nostrils, the less you can trust, um, mm -hmm. you know, what their actually hand might be like. Yeah, yeah. This is, these two, uh, two applications uh, are like the... Where face reading is used to the, well, let's say to the to the maximum, yes. And you also mentioned uh, in business, but as as I told you, and you have heard from many people that uh, nearly nobody has heard about face reading. So the ones who are um, using, who who is using uh, besides this uh, uh, poker playing, and uh, who is really using, let's say in business, who is really using, and and what are the results? You know, a lot of companies in the United States are sponsoring diversity programs. You know, I'm based outside of D Metro Detroit, Michigan, mm -hmm. and we have the auto companies here. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time in history that they have five generations working in the plants simultaneously. Also, you know, we're kind of a melting pot. Mm. 
And so it really gives them the ability to help their staff um, manage their people more realistically, more fairly. We know what to expect from them and not to expect from them. We know how to bridge the gap between ages and cultures and that sort of thing. It's like, Oscar, you know, I can see your, um, you have a really nice photo on your Skype uh, contract. <laughs> Thank you. And so I can see that you have a large mouth. The mouth is about talking. So the larger the mouth, the more frequently the person talks. So from what I can see in the picture, you have a nice sized mouth. So it's not surprising that you would be doing uh, the radio interviewing. <laughs> and also, but your mouth is, your lips are on the small side from what I can see in the picture. And so the, the size of the mouth is how frequently a person's going to talk. The size of the lips are how long they're going to talk, the duration. Mm -hmm. I actually have the exact opposite of you. I have a very small mouth. Mm -hmm. Even though I make my living talking, if you're in front of me in the grocery store or something, I'm not likely to speak to you. <laughs> However, I've been to 22 countries and China was one of my favorite. So if you're standing in front of me in the line and you have a t-shirt on that says uh, Beijing, well, now you interest me. So now I may talk to you <laughs> and I have full lips. So once I decide to talk, I may actually talk longer than someone else. As a single woman, this is one of the important things for me to pay attention to because I realize as soon as I see my date, if I tend to want to talk more than they want to listen. <laughs> and so I can then bring my speak, you know, bring my need to be verbal and scale it back a little bit so it's not overwhelming to the other person. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. I have to then after that observe my own um, my own features and find more mm -hmm. about myself. <laughs> Thanks for yes. the for the tips already. Um And yes, uh, about, for instance, when you were mentioning that the, these companies, um, automobile companies in Detroit are, are assessing what, what kind of roles, what are these, these persons in the company? Uh, which roles of the, of the company are, uh, being trained of facial training, uh, facial reading? Um, very often it's management, human resources. They're looking to use it during the interview process to get a read on the people um, and the fit within the department that they're going to be in. They're also looking how to understand cultures and um, parts of the uh, world that they're not familiar with personally. Mm -hmm. Also, it is about team building. You know, it's many, many areas and um, team building and also conflict resolution. Because oftentimes they've got two employees who are in some kind of conflict and then the human resource person is the one that needs to help them find the resolution together. Mm. If you can help them see the similarities, it's easier for that to take place. Mm. Yeah. You know, we all want to be accepted as we are. And we assume that everyone processes and thinks the way we do. And when they're doing something opposite, we think they're choosing to be difficult. No, oftentimes it's just that's the, what they were taught. That's what they know. That's what they understand. And so really, when you put the, the, all the pieces together, no matter where you are in the world or what kind of a situation you are in, 
It is about improving your emotional intelligence and also um, improving your communication and interaction with another person. Any field of business, this is important. Every single person should know this. I believe every school child should be taught this because it instantly gives you uh, an understanding of the person that you're with. You go in looking for the place of balance rather than looking at your differences. Mm-hmm. And, and Ling, and I also know that you have had a, a TEDx talk. It was called The Faces of Diversity. So it's a, I, I watch it. And what about in these situations? No, because we talk a, a lot about that in, in this podcast about when you are having a, a talk, a presentation, how face reading can help you in these situations. The, the TEDx talk is really about, again, seeing our similarities and, and not just focusing on the differences. So here in Michigan, we are a, a very diversified melting pot. You know, there are people of, from all over the world, all different religions, all different cultures, and it really gives us the ability to communicate You know, we can look at a person and know how they prefer to interact. What's their speaking style? What's their nature? Mm -hmm. You know, you have very low eyebrows, Oscar. So that tells me that you're very comfortable with informality. You're comfortable approaching people. Um, You don't put on a lot of airs. It's like, hey, this is who I am. Um, However, a lot of women have high eyebrows. Mm -hmm. I have high eyebrows. So when I'm going into situations where I am not familiar with the people and it's not for what I do for a living because I'm one of the top experts in the world for face reading. So this doesn't come into play when I'm working. For me, it comes into play with the social scene, uh, the cocktail party, the the social aspects of uh, networking and meeting people that I don't know. It's easier for me to be in a room and allow 50 strangers to come in than it is for me to walk into a room of 50 strangers. I also know that oftentimes I have to do the approaching or I need to make sure that I put a smile on my face because my high eyebrows kind of send out that a silent um, message Uh that, um, you know, sometimes I know that I come across as if I'm a little stuck up, a little Mm. uh, haughty, distant, and actually it's because I'm shy. Mm-hmm. So understanding the height of the eyebrows, you know, um, a man with low eyebrows has to be careful not to invade the space of a woman with high eyebrows because it's like a circuit breaker. It just it just throws them off. Hmm. So gentlemen should always extend a full arm length to shake hands. As the woman feels comfortable, she'll actually give you an indicator that um, she's feeling more comfortable by calling you by your first name, telling you to call her by the first name, mm-hmm. touching your arm, or giving you some indication that the walls have come down. But eyebrows are about initial contact and the need for personal space. So since I know that I come up as a little cool and aloof, <laughs> I make extra effort and do things to set myself up so that I can come across in a more friendly, approachable setting in that social scene where I feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You, you look at, you know, one of the things is that your eyebrows are, are pretty straight. Men historically have low eyebrows. They're comfortable with approachability, comfortable meeting new people. 
They also tend to have straight eyebrows. Emotionally, they like consistency, predictability. They like to know where they stand. Sometimes men can have, men will have low or moderate eyebrows. Men will have straight or curved eyebrows. There is not a man on the planet with high eyebrows or arched eyebrows. Those are only the women. So the higher a woman's eyebrows are on her forehead, the more personal space she needs when she meets you until she feels comfortable. Once she knows you, the eyebrow height no longer comes into play. So I tell executives with eyebrows like yours, Oscar, is that when they see a client's uh, caller ID and they know she has extremely high arched eyebrows, they shouldn't answer their telephone. They should wait 10 or 15 minutes and call her back because the high arched eyebrows, the underside of the eyebrow, when there's a high arch, that tells you that the emotions are expansive. They have mood swings, the emotions go up, down, up, down. And if you call back 15 minutes later, the person will be much more comfortable, a person with straight eyebrows will be much more comfortable talking to the person with the high arched eyebrow because the height of the drama will have passed. You know, most men are just not into the drama queens of the world. <laughs> well, this um, it sounds so fascinating what you are, what you are saying, all this situations that you can um, can learn how to uh, how to behave how to do it the right way and thanks again for <laughs> reading a bit more about my face <laughs> it's also very very intriguing to me so I have definitely have to um, it's learn like more. I can also see your ears are far back on your head uh -huh. we look we draw a line from one ear over the top of the head to the other and we look to see how much of your face is in front of that line or behind it you have much, much more in front of it. So that tells me you're a forward thinker. You know, you're not locked into doing things the way other people have done. You kind of prefer to decide for yourself here and now, this is what I choose to do. Um, and so each facial trait tells you something about the person. Each asset, you know, each trait has an asset and each one has a challenge. Here in the United States, a lot of us have that extra little padding on our chin. The asset to that tells you we're strong-willed and determined. That's going to help us accomplish our goals. Sometimes we're stubborn and we don't know when to let go. And it also tells you that sometimes as we're going through life, we stay within a relationship or stay at a job or something when on some level we know it's really not working for us, but it's hard for us to let go. So in the beginning when people study face reading, um, either through my books or my workshops or coming soon webinars, you'll mm -hmm. see that they, they learn one trait, this trait, you know, a few traits. But as they do it, we want to put several traits together to get a complete profile. You don't want to judge a person by one part of their mm -hmm. personality mm -hmm. or one facial feature. You want to bring it all together to make a complete understanding of the person. You know, you have um, people that have a very broad jaw, they carry a lot of confidence. People with a narrow jaw, they usually have skills, tools, trades, things that they do that help them have the confidence that the broad jaw person has probably had since the minute they were conceived. People, you have a very broad chin. The broad chin is about stamina, endurance, and bouncing back. When people have a very small chin, that tells us instantly that they tend to be emotionally sensitive, a little insecure. 
So you have to be careful about some of the jokes or the innuendos because you may actually hurt their feelings when you really didn't intend to in any mm-hmm. way. You can tell a person by the angle of their nostrils if they're better fit for a nine to five job, like, you know, where they're sitting in a cubicle and doing the same thing kind of day after day, or if they really prefer to be an entrepreneur and like to be out and about and doing things different on a daily basis, just by looking at the angle of their nostrils. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think from what you are saying, one of the main type of person who can apply this is uh, people who are uh, recruiting others, others, so uh, interviewing. So it's, I see there's a lot of power there in, and that happens in any, any single company in every, every single place we are. Absolutely. Lynn, could you now uh, share with us, uh, what is your favorite quotation? You know, because of what I do, my favorite quotation is, We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And that's been attributed Mm -hmm. to many people through the years, but the most recent was Stephen uh, Covey. But I I see this every day. People don't see people for who that person is. They see that person based on who they are. Mm. They're using themselves as the baseline and they're using themselves as, as normal or average. And then they're judging the other person, you know, outside of that. Where actually face reading allows you to see that person for who they are, not who you perceive they are, not who you think they should be, and not on who you are. You get to see the truth of a person. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty true. It's, uh, it's so common that uh, we see others based on what we are, what we have learned, and uh, without uh, putting in someone else's chooses or uh, knowing more in in more detail uh, with, as with uh, face reading, yeah. So this yes. very, it's yep. very very wise quote. Could you now share with us um, a book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? I would have to say, "The Four Agreements" by Don Miguel Ruiz. That book, you know, um, I'm seventy two. And I've been studying spirituality for over 50 years. And this one book changed my life more than any other book. The four agreements are not, don't take anything personally. Mm -hmm. Don't make assumptions. Be careful of the words you use and always do your best. And I found when I started working on practicing of not taking things personally and not making assumptions, Mm -hmm. the whole world looked different. And it gave me a new perspective with my clients, my, my family, and it has been life-changing. There's so many wonderful books out there. But this is written, and it's in a, a format that's kind of easy to understand. And implementing those four areas into your life, because to me, this book isn't a book that you just read, you study it. But the life-changing effect comes when you start um, applying it in mm, your own sure. personal life. Oh, yes. I read these books uh, some years ago, and it's, it's, it would be great to re- read it again in case I've forgotten these things. But yeah, the thing is when these four, four principles are already part of your life and then when things really work beautifully. Yes. Could you finally uh, share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend us doing 
Daily Weekly, a routine to shine. What I do, Oscar, is every single day, I start my day by being thankful. I actually go back and think about the last 24 hours, and I type out all the things that have happened, no matter how small. And I type them out and make a list, and then I have a mastermind partner, a partner that I get together with on a weekly basis, and we send them to each other. And so it's a habit of starting with being thankful and counting out. We call it our gratitudes. What I'm grateful for this day. You know, I sent mine this morning, and I think there were 65 things that I wrote that I was grateful for. And to me, when my day starts out in a place of gratitude, everything, everything that comes about that day is better. You're starting it with that positive, grateful attitude, and um, it just makes life easier. Mm-hmm. So you share it uh, every day? No. How often you share it with the other person? Every day. Every day. Wow. <laughs> I write mine every morning. I'm a morning person. So I write mine every morning and I send them to my uh, mastermind mm. partner. Uh, we hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. And then she holds the things that I'm grateful in prayer. And sometimes it reminds her to be grateful for some mm. things she yeah. had overlooked. And the same thing for me when she sends hers to me. Um, my mastermind partner is more of a night owl. So she usually writes hers the last thing at night before she goes to bed. So when I get up in the morning, they're already uh, they're on my computer. <laughs> and then I send hers, mine in the morning, and she's a teacher. So she looks at them at, at lunchtime. Uh -huh. um, and we also include something that we're asking the universe to help us with. Mm. You know, one of the things we call it a decree. So this week, until I was waiting for our interview today, I asked for her to hold in prayer that the technology and the communication systems worked well mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, the interview went well and that people's lives, that their consciousness would be changed when they thought about the um, ability to study face reading and understand the truth of who they are first and then the people in their life. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's a uh, gratitude is, is very powerful, of course, the best way to start the day. And I like also this, uh, this accountability, you find uh, another person and to exchange if it's daily. Wow, it sounds absolutely powerful. Well, thanks, thanks a lot, Lynn, for this fantastic interview. Uh, I like a lot uh, learning so many new things about faith reading. Almost everything you told me was new to me, and I'm sure for many of the ones who are also listening to this uh, podcast. So could you finally tell us how we can learn more about you? Uh, you mentioned webinars. What is the best way? Yes. Um, you can go to my website, www.facereadingbylynn.com. You can also go to... Uh, My Facebook page, I post about um, face reading on my Facebook page every day. And again, it's face, F-A-C-E, reading, R-E-A-D-I-N-G, by, B-Y, L-I-N.com. I have a lot of books for self-study. I have decks of cards. I have relationship books, uh, business books, acing the interview, um, introduction to face reading, All mm -hmm. kinds of information that people could use and start today to learn how to read faces themselves. Okay, sounds excellent. A lot of things to learn there. 
So again, thanks a lot, uh, Lynn, for this interview, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time...